0: I want to welcome everyone who is here in person. It's great to see you. And for all those who are joining us online, thank you for participating with us this morning. There was a commercial that came out back in 2016. It was a minute long, which is long for a commercial. And there were no words, no commentary, just images. And the images for one minute, it was scrolling images of scars and wounds. So this is a commercial that a lot of people critiqued is inappropriate or extreme because for one minute all you saw were images of pain. There was a cowboy who uh, performed in rodeos who uh, had a huge scar over his eye. There were scars on knees and where uh, surgeries had happened on the Achilles. There were uh, people who had been bitten by sharks. I mean there were all kinds of scars. So For one minute all you saw were images of, of scars. And this is a Nike commercial and the very end of the commercial there was the Nike swoosh and just do it. And for one minute, all these images appeared, there was no commentary, no explanation, it was just images of wounds and scars, yet in the background was a song that was being played. So for one minute you saw images of scars, but you also heard this song, You Are So Beautiful to Me. And it was a way of just saying, hey, when we go through life and there are these scars we bear because of the life we have lived these scars can actually be beautiful which I think is a better song and image for what it means to be the church than what it means for Nike to be Nike because when we come together in space like this there are a lot of wounds and scars that we all bear and it's God who sings the song you are so beautiful to me and it's God who sings the song not because God wants us to be who we wish we were but because God loves us just the way we are and refuses to leave us that way wants us to be just like Jesus especially in a season like this the last week or two of the year I'm sure you do like me You reflect back on the year and as we reflect back on the year there are a lot of scars that we bear because of the life we have lived over the last year there are physical scars, there are scars because of economic impact, there are social scars, emotional scars, psychological scars, and we bear all of them. There are scars because of COVID, scars because of grief, and just a few reminders about scars. One, a scar is a healed wound. Let God heal your wounds. Number two, a scar means that you have a story to tell. Every scar you bear there is a story that goes with it. And do we believe that God can redeem the scars in our lives? And thirdly, scars create longing. They create a longing for wholeness, a longing for reconnection, a longing to be reunited. They just create a longing in us, and may it be a longing that God creates in us for for things of God. So in Luke chapter 2, Simeon, and I've I've quoted this a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. We're in a four-week series called Unstable. It's all these things in the birth of Jesus where there was instability that was either currently in life or how the birth of Jesus came to create some instability in the world and in lives. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35, here's what it says. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Jesus' mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And Simeon is not described as a priest in the Gospel of Luke. Simeon's not described as a prophet in the Gospel of Luke. But in a way he performs priestly duties and he performs prophetic duties. And it's like Simeon knows there are scars on the way. That the Messiah coming into the world, it's not going to be all roses there's gonna be pain and he even prophesies over Mary there's gonna be some scars in your own life because of what your baby's gonna do and what your baby is gonna go through like in some ways Jesus came into the world to shake the world up right And and I know life can shake us up some of you life is really shaking you up in the last year but every once in a while we need Jesus to come along and to shake us up remind us what is real Remind us where our eyes need to be focused. So I want to look at Simeon this morning. I want to read you just here, there's not much in the Bible about Simeon. I'm going to read you a few verses, point out four things, tell a couple of stories and we're going to come to the table together this morning. In Luke chapter 2 verse 25 and 32 through 32 it says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting, repeat after me, waiting he was waiting some of your versions say longing for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah moved by the Spirit repeat after me moved by the Spirit he went repeat after me he went moved by the Spirit he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought repeat after me parents brought four things about Simeon that I want you to notice about his life and then hopefully he can challenge you a little bit in your life too this is a man who longed for God he was waiting, he was longing for the fulfillment of the promises of God to come and you get this sense, he's an old guy So when Luke tells the birth narrative of Jesus, the focus isn't just on baby Jesus. Luke lets you in on two people, Simeon and then right after him, Anna. Two older people who, when they're old age, have a passion for God. They are longing for God. They have prayer lives that they have not given up on God. So here's Simeon toward the end of his life, who is longing for God, and he never stopped believing. He, he wasn't sure how this was going to play out, but there was a longing in his life. His eyes were open, his heart was set on the Lord. If you want to come to the end of your life and long for God, it means that throughout your life you need practices that are helping you long for God. You don't just come to the end of your life and automatically decide that it's time for you to try to long for God. And what Simeon was longing for, it's not that his eyes were fixed on what life was going to be like on the other side. Simeon was longing for the salvation of God to come through the Messiah for the world. He's longing for something good to happen in the world. He's a senior saint who never gave up. You need senior saints in your life? who were longing for God. This church needs them. For the senior saint's presence in this, present in this room and online today, we need you to model for us what longing for God looks like. And if you're wondering today whether you're that senior saint or not, you probably are that senior saint. Senior saints who model what it's like to live your life longing for God. The next thing that happens, you see, you see, moved by the Spirit, Simeon goes into the temple. So it's not that Simeon is in the temple worshiping God, and while he is worshiping the Lord, God opens his eyes. It's that moved by the Spirit of God, he then goes to the temple. And you get this image of a guy who has been commanded to stay at his post until a certain visitor arrives. So Simeon goes to the temple, and as far as we know, he doesn't know what he's looking for there's not a name and a face that he's waiting for he has just been moved by the Spirit of God to go and to wait so he goes and he doesn't just go anywhere in the temple for him to have a conversation with Mary and Joseph and a baby there it's not that he could go anywhere in the temple he was in the outer courts there are only certain places women could go in the temple and he's there and he's waiting so moved by the Spirit of God he acts upon it like what does it mean for you in your life to live with an an awareness that when you sense a nudge of God in your life you go even if it means you look like a fool in the eyes of other people that when you sense the movement of God or a nudge of God and some of you you have sensed that for days and weeks a certain person you need to reach out to an invitation you need to extend someone you need to encourage someone you don't just need to pray for you need to let them know that you're praying for them when there is that nudge of God in your life move Simeon was someone who was longing for God when he experienced the movement of the Spirit of God he obeyed he went the third thing is this notice that Joseph and Mary go to the temple now think about the six weeks in Joseph and Mary's life because right before Jesus is born they're commanded they have to go to Bethlehem there's a count that's that that they're doing in the Roman Empire in that province right so now they travel a long ways to go from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. Jesus is born. Eight days later in verse 21, it tells you that Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in the temple. So they travel from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. So maybe they stayed in Bethlehem. And then a few days later, they go to Jerusalem. I doubt they went all the way back to Nazareth and then to Jerusalem. But a week later, they obeyed what the law of God told them to do and they go to Jerusalem so that they can offer the right sacrifices and they can have people bless their new child from verse 21 to verse 22 Luke doesn't tell you this but that doesn't happen at the same time you don't take your child for this purification that happens in verse 22 until around six weeks when the child is born so maybe they stayed in Jerusalem for six weeks maybe they went back home and then they came back What I'm trying to help you to see is there was a lot of movement in the lives of Mary and Joseph in those first six to eight weeks when Jesus was brought into the world. And Joseph and Mary thought it was so important to put their child in spiritual places, multi-ethnic, multi-generational community, that for them it wasn't just about trying to get the baby on the right nap schedule and the right feeding schedule as important as that stuff can be as parent for parents is that they obeyed what God had told them to do and here's what I love and how this comes about is that you have a senior saint who is longing for God and a young married couple who just had a child who were obedient to the Lord and when you have a gathering of people longing for God and those who are obedient to God, kingdom impact happens. In this space today, some of us came into this space, some of us came into this worship experience, longing for God, and some of us came just out of obedience. And when you mix a longing for God and people who are obedient to God, kingdom things happen. The fourth thing you have is Simeon prophesies over Joseph and Mary. And part of what he prophesies is that this baby is going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Not just light to the Gentiles. It's a light for revelation. It's not just that the light of God will shine on people all over the world. It's that as the light of God shines that the glory of God and now the person of Jesus will be revealed to people. Now, when it comes to Luke, who wrote Luke, Luke doesn't come to know Jesus until probably years after Paul had his ministry going. So when Luke first heard the gospel, it was probably like all of us in this worship's experience today. Is that when you first heard the good news of Jesus you heard about the life of Christ, you heard about the cross, you heard about the death of Jesus, uh, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and then all the other pieces of the story of God began to come together. If Matthew wrote Matthew and John, the apostle, wrote John, their experience is they were seeing all of this unfolding in real time. And then they wrote about it. For Luke... He hears about the good news of Jesus, and then all these other pieces start coming together. So for him, he wasn't there to acknowledge the birth of Jesus coming into the world and to witness the ministry of Jesus. He comes to understand and to believe in God, and then he begins putting all these other pieces together and to tell his story. I bring this up so that you will know the one of the main reasons Luke is writing his gospel is to let you know that it's not just about you surrendering to the person Jesus, it's that Luke wants you to step into the mission of Jesus. He was a recipient of the mission of Jesus going to all the world and Luke writes, and Luke more than Matthew, more than Mark, more than John, Luke writes about outsiders and Gentiles being brought into the kingdom of God. And Luke doesn't wait until the ministry of Jesus to make this point. In the birth of Jesus, he has Simeon quoting and prophesying that this right here, this right here, this is going to be good news for a light, for revelation that's going to go to the entire world. Because when this message goes to the entire world, all kind of barriers are broken down and people then expected that a Messiah would come and function within proper barriers and Jesus broke all of them he broke them with his life he broke them through the cross he broke them through the resurrection and for 2,000 years Jesus keeps breaking down barriers and for 2,000 years Satan keeps trying to build and rebuild the barriers Jesus has broken down And now Jesus has given the church the responsibility to be those who live out that light that takes revelation, the revealing of God, to the entire world. So can the church tear down barriers faster than Satan's able to build them? For Luke, he wants everyone to know, this baby Jesus is gonna be a light for revelation to the entire world. So for Simeon, you have somebody longing for God. What does it look like for you in your life to long for God? For Simeon, when he feels and senses the nudge of God, he acts upon it. What does it look like for you to live with an awareness of God that when you sense a nudge, you move? For Joseph and Mary, there was obedience to God even when they were weary and tired. And for Luke, there is belief from the birth of Jesus throughout his entire gospel that for you, it's not just surrendering to the person of Jesus. It's buying into the mission of Jesus that is good news for everybody. I think every believer in Jesus should have somebody on your radar who doesn't know God that you are praying for them to come to know God. One of my close friends, he preaches at the Pleasant Valley Church in uh, Little Rock. His name's Jonathan Stormont. Jonathan has a close friend named Bub. If you live in Arkansas, you probably have a relative or a friend named Bub. Bub's a senior pastor at a church in Branson, Missouri. And a few years ago, they had a worship and prayer night at their church, and Bub looked out and saw two visitors who were there. He went up and he talked to them and they said they were out of town, they were visiting from Little Rock and they just heard there was a worship and prayer night and they just wanted to be a part of it and this one guy shared that he was at a point in his life when he just could not get enough of God. And Bub said, well tell me more about it. And this visitor said, two years ago on Christmas Eve, I had decided I was going to take my own life. His wife had left him. He was depressed. So he wrote a letter and he had his plan. His plan was he was gonna drink a whole bottle of the Jack Daniels and then he was gonna take his own life. He got halfway through the bottle when there was a knock on the door. It was his neighbor and he and his neighbor didn't know each other very well at all. And his neighbor said, hey man, I'm, we have a Christmas Eve service at our church and I would just love for you to come with me. And his neighbor said, I can't because I've already made plans, which he had made plans. And this neighbor said, look, man, this rarely happens to me. But I just need you to know, like today, I just sensed this strong urge of God that I was supposed to come over here and knock on your door and invite you to come with me to this Christmas service. I would love for you to come with me. And reluctantly, the guy went. And that night, God found another prodigal that he called home that man who had made plans to take his own life that night heard about the good news of Jesus coming into the world and what it means for Jesus to come into his life and two years later he ends up at this worship and prayer night sharing his testimony about the love of God that just captured him and he couldn't get enough of God right now in my life I have two people I'm praying for two people who don't know God Asking for God to bring light into their lives and asking for God to help me to know What my role and my relationship with them needs to be in helping them come to know Jesus? So years ago in fact back in the 1840s, there's a guy named Charles Williams and Charles Williams described himself as godless Thoughtless didn't care about people as a teenager. He cussed. He swore did all the bad things And then he came to know Jesus. And at the age of 20 years old, he was working as a sales clerk at this drapery shop in London. And it was then he was going to and from work, and he had come to know God at this point in his life. And he just had this burden for all these young men that he saw just hanging out in the streets, spending way too much time in bars and brothels and gambling away their lives and 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 just fighting constantly. So he decided to do something about it. So there in London, he decided to to start an organization called Young Men's Christian Association, YMCA, and it took off. He had a burden for lost young men to come to know Jesus, and it took off. Twenty-five years later, it came to the United States in Cleveland, Ohio. And there in Cleveland, there was a pastor named Pastor Scott. And Pastor Scott opened up his church for there to be a YMCA event at his church. And there were other people who were on the stage speaking that night. So Pastor Scott's out in the audience looking up at the stage where he preaches. And he noticed that they have a banner there. And usually he just didn't notice it. But that banner said, Christ for the world and the world for Christ. He was 56 years old and I don't know if it was midlife crisis or what but he decided he wanted to start writing songs he had never written a song before in his entire life and that night on the way home on the way home he wrote a song four verses and it's a song that's still being sung to this day the Christ for the world we sing right? Christ for the world we sing and to the world Christ we bring we're going to sing this song here in just a few moments after we take the bread and cup. But right now, will you take the bread and cup in your hand? If you're here in person, hopefully you have them. If you're at, at home or wherever you are, if you have the bread and the cup close to you, if you'll just take them in your hand. As we come to the table today, let's ask God to create in us, through the bread and the cup, to create in us a longing for God. And as we take the bread and the cup, the God will open us up for what it means to be people on mission this week, and what your role in that is. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. For God today, we give you thanks. We thank you Jesus for you, that you came into this world and we thank you for all the ways you keep coming into this world. And we pray that as we take the bread and the cup today that you will create in us a longing for you like never before. A longing that will increase our faith, our prayer life, our awareness of what you are doing in us and all around us. And God, as we take the bread and the cup and we are reminded of salvation that you have brought into our own lives, there are people all around us who do not have this. And we pray, God, for you to open doors and avenues and for the doors you've opened that we need to walk through, that you will give us the courage to walk through them to perform in our lives today through this meal. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the whole church said, amen. Please take and eat and drink.